Hello, and welcome to the Physical Preparation Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Robertson, and I'll be joined on the line later today by Scott Schutte and Dr. Janine Steester. Now, before we jump into this week's episode, I want to give you a quick recap of the week that was, what I'm looking forward to this week, and just update you on life as a whole. So, the coaching carousel continues. Lots going on here. Again, just kind of everybody is in limbo. Uh, I feel like every week is still kind of the same, trying to figure out when guys and gals are going to head back. Some of them are, I think, getting close. Others are still very much up in the air. And I feel like some of my pro basketball guys, it could be January, maybe even February before they're back playing in full again. So blessing and a curse there kind of sucks for them because (laughs) like they want to be playing their sport. They want to be out there doing what they do, but a blessing in the sense that I get extra time with them. We get extra time to rebuild their bodies, make sure they are fit, make sure they are a hundred percent whenever their season does start. So I'm taking this opportunity because I know probably never again in my lifetime will I have an extended off season with a lot of these guys and gals. So I'm just enjoying it while I've got it and just trying to make them better every day. Soccer is in full swing. We started having two practices a week last week for the kiddos. So that was fun. And I think the most exciting thing for me was in our first game. And then even in a scrimmage that we had last week with our girls, you know, kind of the, a little bit of like the, the bumblebee approach where they're all kind of buzzing around as like a pack together. And now that we're seven on seven, we're on a bigger field, really trying to work on like the shape, right. And spacing. And so we had a scrimmage on Thursday night and just got trounced. (laughs) I mean, it was, it was pretty rough. So then luckily we came back on Friday, we had our second practice and the coach and I really worked on, okay, spacing, positions, where do you need to be? And then we turned around on Saturday and played just a really solid game. The girls had a better understanding of where to be. They understood kind of what their roles and responsibilities were. And I think there's a lot of like good messages there, right? Like helping people get comfortable in their role. You can play better. You can perform better when you know your role and you know your responsibility and being clear in what those roles and responsibilities are. But man, it was just really great to see the girls go out. I mean, they keep track. So, you know, I don't really keep track, but I think we won that game 6-2. So that was really exciting. And we had three different girls that scored two goals each. Uh, Kendall played her little heart out. She's getting better every game. She got an assist. She kind of poked the ball away and made a pass and the girl turned and got a, got, a, got a goal out of it. So that was really fun. She was really excited about that. And also just trying to explain to the girls how it's not just about scoring the goal, but sometimes it's about making the play that sets up the goal. So it, I think the thing that I enjoy the most about that is just teaching these girls a lot of life lessons. And that's something my basketball coach pretty much all through high school, we didn't necessarily see eye to eye (laughs) in a lot of instances, but he was always so adamant in the fact that sports are such a great way to learn a lot of the lessons of life. So I'm trying to instill that even though they're young, trying to instill that in them at a young age and man, it's fun. It's fun. I really enjoy it. And we'll see after this week when I have four practices and tomorrow night's supposed to be like 93 and I coach from like 515 to eight o'clock. We'll see, see if I'm still singing that tune tomorrow, but so far it's been a lot of fun. Enjoying watching the NBA playoffs. It's very odd watching basketball in general in August. If anything, it should be maybe like the Olympics or yeah, I don't know, like not even summer league in August. So it's definitely weird watching it, but man, there have been some great games. It's always fun to be able to just tune in and like literally four straight games basically every day right now. Great competition. Funny story here in, no, not September, in November, I was at a seminar with my boy, Luca Hasavar and Luca is sitting down. We're just talking basketball, talking shop and Luca tells me, he's like, man, this Luka Doncic kid, he's the truth. I'm like, man, whatever. You have to say that. You're from Slovenia. And, you know, so I get it. Like, you're going to cheer for any Slovenia. It would be like me cheering for somebody from, like, my hometown or my home city. He's like, no, 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 man, I'm telling you, this guy is the truth. you got to watch. So it was literally that night or the night after. I'm watching the Mavs because they're playing Golden State when Glenn was playing for him. And I kid you not, Luka Doncic goes out and scores 25 points, I think, in the first quarter. So ever since then, I've been a huge fan. I love watching him. And, you know, obviously, if you're watching the playoffs, he had a massive shot yesterday 
to win the game. So it's been fun just watching the NBA playoffs, watching these guys really get locked in. The intensity's up, great games. So if you have not been watching, still got a couple weeks left, definitely tune in and watch some of those games because say whatever you want about the preseason and the regular season's too long. When the playoffs come, these dudes are competitors. They want to win, and it's really amped up right now. So definitely check those out. And then kind of in this vein of like my coaching and the NBA playoffs and all that, I had just a really good chat with Bill today. You know, something that I always impress upon people. Like I look at Bill as my mentor. If you don't have a mentor, that's somebody somebody or something you should be actively seeking out yourself. But we got to sit down. We broke down two of my athletes that I've been working with for several years now. You know, they're kind of like right there. You know, they're right there on that cusp of getting a full NBA contract or getting a two-way. So it's been fun working with them, and we're trying to eke out those last little bits of performance while making sure they stay healthy in the process. So it was just really fun sitting down, working through that. I think that's something we may start doing as a part of IFAST University. As we were sitting there doing that, I'm like, this is something we need to record. I'm sure people would love to see us take it from, hey, here's this person's presentation, how their chessboard looks or how their assessment looks to, okay, how are we going to build a program and how are we going to coach and cue this person based on the exercises and you know the results that we found from our assessment. So I think that's something we're going to be doing more of in the future, but I don't know. I'm just at this point where I, I could really... Think I, I think I could just sit back and be complacent and probably do okay. And that thought process scares the crap out of me and just makes me realize like that's not who I want to be as a coach, as a human being. So that's why I'm actively seeking him out, actively seeking out other people to get their thoughts and their opinions and to keep learning because I think that's what we're all here to do, right? We want to continue to learn. We want to continue to get better. And ultimately, it's it's a little bit about us. But at that same breath, it's about helping our clients and our athletes get the most out of their bodies. All right, so that that's enough for me for today. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to jump into this awesome show with Scott and Dr. Jim. It seems like every day I talk to a young trainer or coach who is frustrated. Maybe they're frustrated with the results they're getting. Maybe they're frustrated because they don't have trusted resources to learn from. And maybe they're frustrated because they simply don't have enough clients and wonder how long they'll be able to stay in the industry. So if that sounds anything like you, I've got something that I know will help. My Complete Coach Certification was created for trainers and coaches just like you, who are serious about the results they get and who know that becoming a better coach can directly translate to a bigger bottom line. This certification is gonna take the last 20 years of my life's work and put it all into one massive course. In it, you'll learn how to use the R7 system to create seamless, integrated, and efficient programs for clients and athletes of all shapes and sizes. How to create the culture, environment, and relationships with everyone you train so you can get the absolute best results. And the exact progressions, regressions, and coaching cues I use in the gym, from squatting and deadlifting to pressing and pulling and everything in between. Of course, there's a ton more that I cover, but that should give you a pretty good idea of what the cert is all about. Now here's the thing, spots for the certification will only open twice per year for a limited time only. If you're interested in learning more, my next cert will launch in March of 2020, and if you join my free insiders list, you'll be able to save $200 when it opens. To get on the insiders list, just head over to completecoachcertification.com. Again, completecoachcertification.com and then stay tuned for emails in the coming weeks. Thanks so much for your support and I hope you'll pick up a copy of the Complete Coach Certification when it launches. Scott Schutte grew up in a small town on his family farm. The hard work that was the standard on the farm follows him everywhere he goes. His personal mission statement is to lead by example, to challenge people to think differently about what holds them back and to always push for more out of life. He co-founded and built the highly successful fitness center, Evolved Personal Training, with Nathan Kesterson. Since 2010, he has been managing a team of trainers and has worked with thousands of clients to refine the differentiator model. Dr. Janine Steister grew up in a multilingual household. Early on, she was fascinated by how verbal and nonverbal behaviors work in concert to tell a person's story. As a wife and mother of three, She understands the daily challenge of living a lean, 
healthy, and happy lifestyle. Through the exploration of environment, mind, and body, Janine fulfills her commitment to helping others actualize their best life. Her work as a behaviorist has helped individuals and organizations create positive behavior change for two decades, both as a researcher and clinician. She has conducted over 100 national and international presentations, has written over 90 peer-reviewed research papers, and has contributed to numerous books. With a PhD in behavior analysis, she understands the complexity of behavior and the need for a multifaceted lifestyle approach for sustained change. In this show, Scott, Janine, and I cover a ton of topics. We start by talking about the psychology of fitness and what every trainer or coach needs to know to be successful. We talk about how our clients are different now in 2020 versus where they were in 2019. And finally, we talk about how we as trainers and coaches can take even better care of our clients and athletes and ultimately help them achieve the levels of success they're truly capable of. This was a really fun and engaging show and I know you're going to love it. But enough for me. Let's do this. Scott and Janine, thanks for coming on the show. Really excited to have you both here today. Could you start by just telling us a little bit about yourself? And we can start with you, Janine, since I'm such a gentleman. Absolutely. Well, thanks for having us. So since I was a child, I've always been fascinated with the distinction between what people say and what they do and why. And so I'm pursuing that passion of just understanding that connection and more about behavior. I earned my doctorate in behavior analysis and subsequently have been working in the area of psychology of behavior change for quite a while now in various roles, including educator, clinician, business coach. And of course, most re- recently, I've been partnering with uh, Scott and Nate Kesterson on a platform to educate trainers on the psychology of fitness. So really enjoying exploring many facets of behavior. Very cool. And what about you, Scott? Yeah, so I came, I come in more on the, the uh, traditional fitness side. I've been a personal trainer for over 15 years. Nate Kesterson and I have ran our own successful personal training facility for the, the past 10 years and really been doing everything fitness since then. I would say that we are very successful in the, the business we do. And, and I really define that success by, number one, I still love what I do. I yep. still love the industry. I still love training. Number two, it's created me to have the freedom to do some of the other things that I love doing too. And it gives me the freedom to still learn, travel. And so I have that nice balance between loving what I do and having the balance on the outside of that. And, and three, it, it, it provides the the income that I feel comfortable in, that I can live the life that I want, that I can save, that I can invest, and, and really having those three things are what I kind of define as success and, and happy that I could do it in this space. Yeah, that's awesome, man. So talk to me a little bit. What led you to the world of physical preparation? And, and we'll kind of alternate. So Scott, you can go first here. Yeah, so I, I would say I have a pretty traditional background. A lot of people get in the space of I played baseball and basketball you know, through high school and through college and just trying to figure out the uh, career that I wanted to go. And I graduated with a business finance degree and a minor in health and exercise science, started working and training people and, and just fell in love with it. Like I, I love working with people. I love the, the people in the, the fitness space and then just growing and learning. So I, I really kind of love every aspect of, of this. Yeah, for sure. What about you, Janine? How did... How did you end up in this space? Well, I, I think I've always been a pretty driven person, been really active, did some high school sports, but mostly really spent a lot of energy on on running. And that was actually a good way for me to engage with others and sort of push some of my uh, physical limits. And so I really enjoyed that. And my professional training always emphasized that connection between our mind, our body and the environment. Mm -hmm. And so I've always been really interested and engaged in the fitness area. I started to train with Scott about seven years ago. And as we got to know each other, and he realized sort of what I did from the business coaching perspective, I began to consult with their fitness facility and work with them to grow their services and in their business and, and their team. And that sort of led to a natural synergy to kind of partner on this next level way for us to share our collective knowledge. Yeah, that's awesome. So last but not least, I would love it if you both would give us a little idea of your career path, because I always like to expose young coaches and kind of give them an idea that a lot of times 
where you start and where you finish is definitely not a straight line. There's a lot of zigs and zags in there. So if you guys wouldn't mind, just give us a little overview of kind of like your background and what got you to where you're at today. Yeah, so I'll leave that one. I started off working for a Gold's Gym quick start trainer, Mm -hmm. uh, just showing everybody's kind of new equipment. So I, I got that feel for that that big box experience and found out that that really wasn't the best fit for me. My next job was, was working for a small personal training facility. I felt that that was the better direction for me, but, you know, quickly, and this is, I think what kind of Andy said on your last podcast, I found out that I worked out much better as an owner than I did as an employee. So <laughs> yes. Nate Ketcherson and I opened up our facility and then it kind of gave us the freedom to run it that we, we best felt fit in the sense of like, okay, if we, since we saw the training side, how do we make that optimal? Because we've right. seen that from the client side, how do we get the best results from them? And then on the business side, so it's always kind of looking at this as, as a three part of like, how do we make all these things function at the highest degree? And I believe we're, we're, we're getting very close to that. I love it. What about you, Janine? Yeah, well, clearly, you know, I haven't done the traditional trainer path, nor am I a trainer. But I think that for anyone, like you said, that needs to understand that it doesn't always um, come off as a clear path. I think that my team has always been enjoying working with people and learning more about them and helping them figure out where they need to go next. And so that's really taken me over the course since I finished my formal education is working as a clinician and working in clinics where people were struggling with some behavior change issues to teaching graduate classes at the university level and uh, developing curricula to teach people a little stronger emotional intelligence in some of those areas to get their needs and wants met. I've run large teams and I've also coached with, you know, everything from a Fortune 500 business to more of a, a stereotypical small business. And just kind of knowing that I enjoyed my behavior skills, the things that I was able to offer people, and then really letting the path guide me based on what I was learning at the time, where my passions were, and the opportunities that opened up. So it's been a fun, very interesting, but very curvy road. Yes, yes. So I want to dive in here because obviously both of you are into fitness. Janine, I mean, that's pretty self-explanatory based on your background. But Scott, ever since we've been hanging out, like obviously I know the psychology is a huge piece of what you guys do and trying to understand people's behaviors. So I'm interested, like why is that why do you guys feel like that's such a big piece of the puzzle? And how have you gone about building that into your practice or into your gym? Yeah, so it's, it's amazing as you, as you start this career path as a trainer and, you know, first you're like, okay, I just need to teach people how to work out. Yes. And the majority of people, I work with general pop. So especially when you're working with general population, most of them are coming to me and they want to lose weight. They want to be leaner, some variation of that same tone. And we start taking them through a hard workout or they'll come in and they're like, okay, as soon as they lose 10 pounds, I'll be happy. And I typically saw one or two things happen. One, they lost the 10 pounds and then they weren't happy. Or two, they never even lost the 10 pounds because they never got over the obstacles or the things that are holding them back at home. Mm. And that's very frustrating because most of us that go into this field want to make an impact. We are driven to be good at what we do. And when those things don't play out that way, it's very frustrating. So, you know, it was this career path of like, okay, it's just training. That didn't get me exactly where I wanted to go. Then I was like, okay, well, I'm not doing nutrition. So then I did the nutrition part. So I'm doing training in nutrition. I'm like, well, that will that will be the answer. Right. And, and each one of those, and the more I learned it, it got me better and better. But still, like, it was just a huge missing gap. Because when people are in front of me, they're like, yes, that's a great idea. I, I love that plan. I'm going to do it. And then they come back a week later and nothing's happened. <laughs> and, and don't get me wrong. It doesn't mean that uh, we have the answer. It's still hard. I, I had a very hard conversation with someone today about the changes that they need to make at, house, at their home, especially with COVID going on. People super frustrated with everybody arguing about what side things should be on school and people don't know what their kids are going to do. They're working from home. And this is a point where like, we have to dive into like, okay, what are the stories they, they're telling themselves? Mm-hmm. What are these issues that are really holding them back? And what are the things that's going to ultimately make them happier? Because that's what people ultimately want. They, they want to be happier. We can get them leaner in that, that process. We can help them lose weight. We can get them stronger. But those are all very small pieces of the puzzle of the overall puzzle that they're trying to accomplish here. Absolutely. What about you, Janine? How have you added to uh, the mix and what they're trying to do over there? Yeah, I 
Well, I think that to to me, the passion for looking at the psychology of fitness and looking into what is behind, under the hood or what's going on at home or things like that is really helping look at the function of people's behaviors and what replacement behaviors they need. And so there's just so many headlines in the fitness industry. And again, I think it's just headlines from journalism, from whatever marketing, but it's sort of this notion of if you do this for two weeks, then you will see the results that you wanted and whatever. But, you know, as I always like to say, people don't want to fit in their skinny jeans for two days. They just want to feel happier, healthier, and and, and probably leaner as well for the long term. Yep. How do you do that? And the things that we know about behavior change is that all of us can typically do a lot of things for two weeks consistently. But we can't if we can't do it for long term, then we're going to either not hit our goals or we're going to see this. We got it and then we gained the weight back or we were consistently doing this and then we stopped or our nutrition was good for a while and then we, quote unquote, fell off the wagon. And a big part of that is, is because we know the research is real clear. The science is real clear. We know some things about behavior change. And most of it smacks against what we see in the headlines or the very popular recommendations. So a big part of it is letting people know that the things that they're being told should happen or could happen aren't necessarily realistic. And then figuring out what it is that is the function of their behavior. Why why are they late night snacking? Why are they struggling to get to the gym? Why are they not getting the movement in? What is holding them back? And then figuring out a behavior change that works for them, that serves that same function. So if I'm late night snacking because I'm lonely, telling me to stop snacking or eat less at night and do restricted eating might be a real good strategy. But if I'm snacking because I'm lonely, I'm going to go back to snacking unless you give me something else that replaces that so that I don't feel as lonely. So that's really what we've spent a lot of time talking about enhancing the services for Scott and Nate's gym, but also looking forward on how we can help other trainers kind of understand how to add those recommendations and strategies in a way that actually match what's going on for people. That's awesome. Okay. So here's a big question. I think it's fair to say 2020 hasn't gone like most of us would have imagined, you know, when we are doing (laughs) our New Year's resolutions or action plans for the year. So how are our clients different from 2019? What, What has changed about them in the last year? Yeah. So I think from my perspective is I believe they're more overall, I think folks are, the clients are more aware overall of their health in a different manner than ever before. And so in in past, I think people have thought about disease states or high cholesterol, high blood pressure or this, or just weight. But I think now people are looking at wow, physical movement is really important, particularly now given that many of them are in close quarters with others or are not even commuting to work or things like that. And it's also brought for many to the forefront that fragility of mental health. They're seeing up and close in personal how important a holistic approach to fitness is, healthy relationships, proper stress management, and their mindset that it needs to be oriented towards something positive and the need for hope for the future. And so, so although in some ways they're much more aware, they're also much more lost and in need of clear guidance. What they were doing in the past, what they're used to, has sort of gone to the wayside. And so they're really trying to get back some semblance of order and also feel like they have some control over what's going on. And then to boot, especially with the pandemic, we have such an overload of conflicting headlines and unprecedented concerns and really strong opinions, which can get really overwhelming for folks where to begin. And so where we can help is to help them think past body comp and look at how things like movement and sleep management and connection with others that are positive for them and help with long lasting coping mechanisms for when things are challenging. This won't be the, the, it's not the first, it's not the last challenging things in our lives. And in some ways, fitness facilities, I think are, are for some people, unfortunately, as amazing as they are for some people, unfortunately, maybe the one place that they can feel cared for and successful right now, if we kind of do our jobs right and really wrap around that more holistic approach. I love that. I love that. Scott, what do you think? 
Yeah, I, I think this is something that's been building for a while now, but definitely COVID this year has, has really sped it up in the sense of people are starting to learn that it's not just a hard workout. It's not just a diet plan when they're thinking of their overall fitness. It's, it's mindset, stress management, it's relationships, it's looking at your sleep, it's looking at all these different aspects so they can ultimately move better, feel better, and look better. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, People are still sure. wanting to lose weight and wanting to look better. I think that will always be there. But now they're starting to figure out it's more than that. Because some of these people are so stressed out, they understand that something needs to change. And the workout is just a part of that. Yep. Just looking at all those different aspects. So we, 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 as, we as coaches have to step it up and really help people do these really hard times. It's like Janine was saying, like, we might be the only ones checking in on people with this because they're so used to, they might have, you know, parents that they're taking care of, kids they're taking care of. And there's, there's so many people that no one else is checking in on them. And that's where we can really make a difference. I love it. So one thing, I'm going to go off script here a little bit, because one thing that I talked about a lot early on is I always call it the tabletop approach to fitness, right? There's four four legs to a table. There's training, nutrition, recovery, and mindset. And I think most people intuitively know that training's important. They know nutrition's important. They're starting to get on the bus with regards to recovery, sleep, that sort of thing. But you guys both mentioned mindset. And obviously, this is this is challenging, right? Like, I'll be the first to admit, everything has not been puppies and balloons for the last five months. You know, like, you have the general stress of being an entrepreneur, a parent, kids staying at home. There's a lot going on. So how do you guys go about addressing mindset with people, maybe in an everyday situation, as well as like how you're dealing with it right now with all these other other things that are impacting us? Yeah, so so one of the big things that I, I'm constantly talking with clients about is just, just what are they filling their days with? Some people need to cut off some of the the social media, some people need to cut down on some of the, the, the news. Like one of my ladies yesterday, I'm all for people keeping up to date with what's going on. Sure. But her doing this at 10 o'clock at night, which she wants to go to 1030 is not helping her sleep at all. So I'm like, I bet you that news hasn't changed much. If you just watch it the next morning, you just <laughs> might be a few hours behind what it is. So just doing that also pushing people, whether they're into nonfiction or fiction books, whether, you know, it could be something just to have as an escape, just to kind of have a relax from that stress or something that can help educate them. It's, it's, it's all about what are we, we surrounding ourselves with? That's what I feel like the beauty of some of these like small group training stuff is. It's like if, when you can surround yourself with other people that are, are trying to be fitness related or, you know, what are you listening to? What are you watching? Getting people to journal, whether we're sending them like the five minute journal where it's two and a half minutes in the morning, two and a half minutes in the, the evening, kind of talking about your day, reflecting on your day, or some people just free journaling. Like there's, there's really no one set thing I can give people. These all are discussions on like with people on what they already kind of enjoy doing or have enjoyed doing in the past. And how can we push them towards that? And how can we cut down on some of this negativity? I love it. I love it. What about you, Janine? Yeah, I mean, I, I concur with what Scott said. And I think that a theme that he was on about, you know, what you're listening to when or whom or things like that. And that's a big one for me is we were hearing a lot for people about like, oh, connecting with others and things like that, which is great. But we also have to think about the tone and the nature of what we're listening to, whether it's from individuals directly or through media in any form or fashion. And, and it's just things that people don't recognize that are really impacting how they feel to day to day. Are you listening to people, even whether it's like a YouTube or podcast or things where people are yelling or they're aggressive or where there's just a lot of negative language as opposed to constructive language? And a lot of times we don't even notice that TV shows, different things like that books is is what is that theme of, is it helping me think positively and constructively moving forward or is it creating more anxiety and worry? And so that's a big theme that I try to help people think about and encourage them to break that down a little bit because they're like, well, I'm reading or I'm trying to keep up to date or I'm interacting, 
but look at the quality of those interactions and are they serving you? It's so interesting that you say that because I'm thinking back to, you know, a month or two in and, you know, you've been cooped up for a while. You don't really know like when all this is going to end. And I remember at at some point I was just on my phone a lot more, social media, Mm -hmm. news, websites, all that stuff. And I was like, I'm trashing all that. All I'm going to do is focus on like, I'm not like a motivational reading kind of guy, but it was like either really positive motivational stuff. That's all it was. And I immediately within like a week or two felt like a thousand percent better. It's it's just so funny that you mentioned that because, yeah, and for a lot of people too, like I've had a lot of people reach out to me and they are professional, right? They are driven. They want continuing education and they felt bad because they're like, oh, I don't feel like I have time to do this because I'm working from home and I'm taking care of my children and all these other things. And I kind of agreed with them. And I was like, look, I like to do those things too, but like, this kind of is like my positive thing right now. And I need this positive energy in my life. And I feel like it made a big impact for me. And the few people that I know were doing that as well, it seemed to positively impact them as well. Exactly. Exactly. So maybe kind of as a follow-up to the previous question, you know, obviously our our clients are different. We're different. Everything's different in 2020 versus 2019. As trainers and coaches, what should we maybe be doing differently to help our clients succeed? So one thing that we do is we, we have certain times with clients, we call it lifestyle accountability coaching. That's outside of the actual physical training that they do on the floor, where we have dedicated time to dig deep into some of these topics. Yep. And I think that's important because I think when we're giving all the attention to just the weightlifting, then they feel like that's what's most important. Yep. And even if you're giving some advice throughout the middle of that, which is a good time to reinforce what you've talked about in your other sessions, the lifestyle accountability or whatever you want to call it. Some people are just trying to survive during the workouts. <laughs> They're not going to retain anything that you really say, especially when you're supposed to dive deep on this. So one, we need to, we need to set some of this, this time for that. And, and really for us, it's another service category. So on the business side, it, it works well too. The second thing is I know a lot of young tra- trainers aren't comfortable with having some of these conversations. And really to be a good long-term coach, trainer, whatever you want to call yourself, you have to have some of these hard conversations. Because for example, if you're like, well, I don't want to talk about the relationships. Like, who am I? That doesn't mean you need to give them marital advice. Some people just need to vent. That's good. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times when I'm talking relationships, I'm talking about like who's positive in their tribe right now? Who can they go on a walk with? Who can they go and have a healthy lunch with? Who is going to fill their bucket versus take it away and, and figure out, can you figure out more ways to spend time with them? So there's relationship, even with talking about, you know, meditation is very powerful, but you as a coach, if you have not tried that yourself and you're going to try to tell someone else to do it, that's going to be a tough sell. Mm-hmm. So you need to continue to learn. You need to continue to learn in these areas that you might not be comfortable in so you can have better conversations, so you can get deeper into matters with clients, so you can ultimately get them better results. Love it. Janine? In looking at this from even like more of the 30,000 foot perspective and and looking at the fitness industry, the certifications, the, the educational options for trainers, one of the things that I have kind of been noticing is that what seemed to be consistently missing is some of that information on how you do behavior change. So we have this information and the, the good, phys, you know, body comp information and nutrition and, and workout programming. But how do you help a client really do that on the days that they're not in the gym or the hours that they're not with you? And so we have all of these, in my opinion, really bright, committed people in the fitness industry, which ironically, by definition, is really designed to help people transform, right? So whether it's in sports performance or body comp or mobility, but yet aren't necessarily given a lot of educational opportunities on the tools and the strategies for behavior change to really help their clients with that. And so when you work with somebody, whether it's an athlete or the general population, you still need to understand the big picture of their environment, the activities that the person's in and have some basic principles of that psychology of behavior change. And I don't think that trainers need to be experts in that area, but they need to have some sort of foundational information about that 
so that they can support clients in being consistent with the strategies that they're applying and matching those strategies appropriately with those clients. Yeah, I love it. So something I'm interested in, and Janine, I want to start with you because you're like an outsider to the industry, but you work (laughs) in it. So as an industry, where do you see us headed or where do we need to improve in the months and years to come to continue to kind of take our skills to the next level? Yeah. And I think Scott touched on this earlier is that we need to offer more services as an industry beyond the nutrition and the workouts. And, you know, you talked about the tabletop and those four pillars, and we need to include all of those and look at that more holistic approach for our client. So if you look around and you see other industries, even let's say like chiropractors, you start seeing that they're offering workout programs and other holistic approaches in addition to their services. And you see these specific industries that are even popping up towards the end, right? Like, you know, like cryotherapy and mm-hmm. float tanks and meditative therapies and virtual reality services. And this shouldn't be surprising because if you look at the modern day athlete, they're doing a lot more than just workout nutrition, right? right? They're focused on mind, body, and soul. And so I think the industry really needs to continue to evolve with these sort of needs and expectations. If we've been doing the same thing and getting the same results or lack of results with folks, it's you know typically a good sign that we need to expand our platform and our reach a little bit. Love it. Scott? Yeah, I think the uh, professional athletes is a good analogy here in the sense of, you know, they're going beyond just playing the sport, their strength training, they're doing the nutrition, they're doing the meditation, they're doing all these other things. I think that we got to start looking at that as our, our everyday person that's coming in there. And then really building up the team around you. I don't expect every personal trainer to be an expert on every single one of these things, but do you have someone that you can refer out to for marriage counseling? Do you have someone that you can send out to to teach breathing techniques, to teach transcendental meditation, you know, all these different areas? Of course, you can become very good at a few of these, but also you're building a team to work with to help the person you work with become the best. I have a great team here in the, the town that I live, uh, I live in, and I don't feel like any of my clients feel less on me just because I'm referring them out to other people. I'm just trying to get them the best results I can. Right. If that's sending them to someone else to work on a particular area, like I'm just looking at it like I am overseeing their complete fitness routine and whoever they need to go to. Like, you know, even with, with some of them, it's, again, it's, I've had two of my clients, I've been pushing just to get personal assistance so they can have more time to do the stuff that they want. And both mm-hmm. of them did. And it's so much better. Like it's, it's really looking beyond that because I can talk to them about, you know, getting more movement in or having time to meal prep or whatever it is. But if their day is crammed full and unorganized, like it's just not going to happen. So it's really just kind of looking at these other aspects of like helping them reach their goals. You know, you guys both kind of said this, but I think something that's really important when you're starting out is training is like the base skill, right? Like if you want to be a coach or a trainer, you have to understand how to train people. But then I think the people that really differentiate themselves layer in other skills. So Scott, you alluded to, oh, I realized training alone wasn't going to do it. So I added nutrition, right? So we take those four pillars, you know, you learn nutrition and that still wasn't enough. So now you've got like lifestyle and mindset and that sort of thing. So now you've got like almost the whole table supported by yourself, right? So I would, I would kind of ask you if you're listening to this and you're not comfortable with nutrition or you're not comfortable talking about sleep and recovery, just like Scott was saying, like find people that you can refer out to. And I'm, I mean, I think that actually makes a stronger bond with your clients. If you're willing to say, Hey, this is not my forte or my skill. I mean, that's why we have a Cairo, a massage therapist, a recovery place, a dietitian. We have all these people that are loosely affiliated with us that we can refer people to so that ultimately the client gets the best result because you can't be all things to everybody, right? Like there's only so many hours in a day and you know, you just can't learn all of the skills that are out there. So I think that's great advice. Now, kind of along those same lines, we kind of talked about as an industry, maybe with regards to the personal trainer, Scott, I'd love to know what do you think is next for us and how as individuals can we continue to push our, not only our industry forward, but also just the, the results that we're getting for our clients and athletes. What can we continue to do to evolve and get better? Yeah, I think it's about looking at these areas that you're particularly weak on in, in the sense of, okay, there's so many people out there that are really good with uh, program design or exercise execution. If not, you, you need to be good at that because you are a trainer. But then looking at these other aspects of sleep, 
nutrition definitely has to be down. But it's it's funny with most of the clients that I work with on nutrition, I'm, I'm not writing a meal plans. I'm not giving specific stuff. It's more of working with them on their stress management, their routines, so that they're just eating less shit, drinking less alcohol, moving a little bit more on a daily basis. It, it's not this high level stuff. I think we get a little bit caught up in, and I definitely geek out on this, of doing different super high level courses. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like I had a full day on mitochondrial health. Not a single bit I brought up to a client. Don't get me wrong. Like, that stuff can have its place. And I think it's cool when you get to that level and you can, you can go over the stuff. But learning more of the basic breathing, sleep strategy, meditation, honestly, just being well-read in a, different, a lot of these different categories because there's so many of the clients that I'm actually sending them an Audible book. If someone doesn't have an Audible account, I can send them the book I'm currently going through or have in the past. I think it's a good fit for them for free. So they get a new, they get a new book. They don't have to pay anything because they don't have it. And it's, it's a way, again, we talk about this whole mindset. There's no one that I just like, Hey, do X. And they're like, Oh, totally blown away. Like I, I, I should have thought of it that way. It's more of like the, they need the repetition. Then you hear it from different sources. Yep. So really getting in depth on that, that kind of information. Janine, what do you think? I'm really interested too, because again, not only are you an outsider, but you hired a trainer. So you have that unique experience of you work with trainers in the sense that you hired one, but you also work with trainers and that you educate them. So when you're looking at us as an industry, and I hope you're not like laughing because there are days where I'm ashamed (laughs) of our industry, but like, what, what do you feel like we can continue to improve upon? Yeah. So one of the constant themes and, and, and again, Scott referenced this in, in his response earlier is when I'm talking to education, educating, when I'm talking to and educating fitness professionals, whether they're personal trainers or in other aspects of the health and wellness, a big theme that I run into is that people are, are intimidated, stuck, uncomfortable with getting into what they think are people's personal lives. And and one of the things that I, I spent a lot of time talking about is they have these thoughts, but they don't know how to share it with a client or they don't think that they should. And so a big part of that is really getting over that hump and getting educated on it, which then might not be look as this traditional kind of trainer education on you know how to, to write a workout or nutrition. And I'm not suggesting ever that someone that you become their uh, client's therapist. I I don't recommend that. I don't think that's a great idea. And it's not what I'm encouraging. But I do think that trainers can learn to ask targeted questions that allow people to start thinking about things differently. You don't always have to tell somebody what to do to get their mindset to shift. But you need to ask them a question. And sometimes it's even just, why not? When they say, well, I can't. Why not? Who's ever asked them that? Have they ever articulated it and gone through it and recognized like, oh, wait, this is, as Scott would say, a story that they've told themselves, but that's not really based in reality or the the hurdles aren't unsurmountable. And as you pointed out, I also have a higher trainer and, and there are times where I'm so forced in my, so trees in my forest that I can't step back and come up with my own solution. But if I say, yeah, I'm struggling with getting this in in the morning. Well, why? Well, because, and then I realized like, oh, it's just because I didn't set myself up to have time for that the night before. Had I just set that out, I could have gotten it done. So just asking targeted questions and then this notion of repetition. I also think that sometimes um, there's a perception that if we tell someone what they need to do and they're like, okay, yep, I'm on it. I'm going to drink more water today. And they come back the next time and they haven't drank more water or not done it consistently. A lot of trainers will tell me like, well, I've already told them they need to drink water. I just, I'm not going to do it. Am I supposed to say it again? And I'm like, yes. (laughs) And again and again. And if you look at actually how we learn, repetition is key. We know that from motor memory, things like that, the same thing as cognitively and changing habits. So I really think that spending time and difficult or, or unique conversations can be really hard for people. But even as a trainer, practice with your fellow trainers, practice with someone at home. How would you say that in just feeling comfortable having those conversations? And most of the time, if you're genuine about caring about someone, even if you trip over yourself a little bit, the first few times you have those kind of conversations, people know you care. And that's the part that they really need to walk away with knowing. 
if you said it perfectly or it didn't go super smoothly, that's okay. But I think that that's a big area of next step for fitness professionals. I think that is such great advice. I mean, I always go back to when I was starting and I think if anybody goes back to when they started, whether it was a year ago or 20 years ago, you weren't a great trainer when you started, right? Like nobody just comes out and is an amazing coach. Like it just doesn't work like that. And I, I, I think a lot about how or what made me successful early on. And I think it was the fact that I was empathetic to other people and I was willing to listen to them and what was going on. And that allowed them to trust me. And so I got enough reps to eventually, hopefully now I'm at least somewhat decent at what I do. But I think that's such great advice because so often we get caught up in this facade versus, hey, just being really empathetic to what's going on in your clients' lives, being vulnerable with them, maybe in an, in an appropriate context, sharing something that has happened to you that may be similar to them to make you relatable. Like those situations and those, those environments can really forge strong connections, which I find make people way more willing to listen to you and do what you ask. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, Scott, do you do you deal with a lot of that, too, where it's like, hey, again, like Janine, like you said, you're not trying to be their counselor, right? Or their therapist. That's not what I'm right. insinuating. But how many times can you imagine, like, maybe you're the only person that actually listens to this person, right? Yeah, I, I completely agree. It's, it's what we talk about. It's like a lot of these people just need hope. Yeah. Yes. And we're providing that. Like, I had a woman today. She's like, you probably think I'm a fucking loser. Wow. Um, just because she couldn't, you know, she was struggling with weak. I'm like, no, like I have most of my clients struggle with this. Right. The smallest changes. You're just in this hamster wheel of your daily activities for us to change up what your new normal is. And I mean, in the way of like the habits we need to get the results that we want, it's going to be a struggle. And so by giving them that hope and having them not be so hard on themselves. So many people come in and they beat themselves up. And there's yeah. a conversation we have of like, you would never talk to a friend like this, but you constantly talk to yourself like this. Right. And so they come in and they're defeated because they've spent most of their waking day just being hard on themselves. Yeah. And so we have to give them at first hope. And then Janine talked about this. We're big on replacements. So instead of being like, no, you can't have that. How can we find a replacement or how can we alter it? And, you know, how can we still, you know, just help them move forward? I love it. So I I have one more question. We'll get to our big question, but I'm really interested because both of you guys have been doing this at a very high level for a while. New trainer comes to you and they're starting to feel like, okay, I'm starting to figure out the training stuff, but I realize there's a lot more to it than this. There's lifestyle, there's, you know, nutrition, all these other pieces, but let's focus on lifestyle and habits. Where would you where would you point them to get started, to start learning more, to better understand this stuff, to really help create change with the the clients or athletes that they work with? One of my top things is actually having them go through some like just lifestyle coaching with me to start mm-hmm. looking at different aspects. Because I feel like people need to really experience this to be able to coach that. Two, we've, we've done a lot of in-house training going over all these different areas. So where we kind of break down, okay, here's how to have talks and how to go over relationship stuff, how to go over mindset stuff. We have re- different required readings. Um, and I can, I can send you those and put in like the show notes or something for people to do That'd like great. different stuff. This, uh, the Carol, Carol Dweck's like growth mindset and fixed mindset. Like that's such a huge one for people to go through. And, and then also, you know, we talk about growth mindset. It's not one of those things that we call people out on that. If a client's in here, I'm like, well, you have a fixed uh, mindset on that. No, it's just something we need to be aware of so we can we can work around and talk them through. And like Janine said it great earlier, in the sense of like, it's asking them more questions because people love the answer when they think it's, you know, they're coming to that conclusion. So how can we get people more to that conclusion? Gotcha. Janine, what about you? I think that... I think one of the things that I would say is in part is for trainers to take care of themselves. So one of the interesting things that I find in when we look at any of the professions that are helping professions or that are in the business of helping people, taking care of people, is sometimes the very people that are doing the taking care of aren't spending time working on their own sleep, on their own relationships and things like that. They're so focused on 
providing results and, and outcomes for people that they're not going through these processes themselves. And we really can relate much better when we have gone through a process or a struggle or those types of things ourselves. And that doesn't mean you're supposed to experience everything that your clients experience. And in many cases, that won't literally be possible. But to what degree are you working on some things for yourself and playing with things and and trying those out? And we, we see this in, I was working with a trainer the other day and he was like, you know, I've been working on this one stretch at home on the couch because at the gym we've got this, but people don't have this at home. So I was kind of playing around with this. And, and I was like, walk me through it. And he showed it to me. I was like, oh, this is really cool. And I can completely see how one could do that at home watching TV or right. hanging out with the kids or something like that. It's the same thing for many of these other aspects of the day-to-day. It's just playing around with some of this and thinking about how other people's days are or even your own day when you get home. You know, I, meal prep is a great strategy, but I hear a lot of trainers go, I'm not getting that done. <laughs> um, so, so what are their hacks? Right. And what have they played around with? And, you know, and so you start to extend that into these other arenas of your own. And just being mindful of that on your own, I think it helps us then understand what clients are bringing to us to help address. I love it. Okay, guys, big question time. And Janine, I'll start with you on this one. If you could alter the space-time continuum and give young Scott or Janine one piece of advice about training and or life, what would it be? So I think for myself, it would have been a little bit probably what I just talked about is thinking about myself more holistic and and varying my training early on and not just Scott and I talk about this quite a bit is like people like to do what they like to do or what they're already good at right yes. so I knew how to run I was running a lot but I wasn't necessarily doing other things for a really long time and so although that was good when I needed to shift that was a harder shift paying attention to the way that I was managing my stress and my sleep and those type of things so I think spending more time on that earlier and taking that more of a holistic approach and not waiting until things started to feel crappy to kind of address those. Yes, that, um, so that would definitely be given the advice I would give my younger self. That's that's fantastic. And Scott, I'm going to let you talk in a minute. But I, I describe those as rate limiters, right? So you like to run, right? And a lot of runners that I've worked with like to run. But what they're shocked by is like they get to a point of diminishing returns and then running mm-hmm. isn't helping them with their running yes. anymore. So they have to work on, oh, strength training twice a week. Now they brought that up. So it's not turning a weakness into a strength necessarily. It's just making your weakness less of a weakness, right? Mm -hmm. So that your top level function or activity continues to improve. And I think that's something everybody needs to hear because their rate limiters are a real thing. And if you can start to figure out what those are and address them, I think that's when you can see some massive improvement. So, okay, Scott, what what about you, my guy? Uh Two things to my younger trainer self. One, people cannot articulate what they really want and need. Mm. Almost everyone's going to come in and say it's, it's weight loss or it's body fat. And like I talked in the very beginning, you'll get that with them and they're still not happy with where they're at. It's ultimately, they want to feel better about themselves. You can call this happiness or confidence, whatever it is, but they just want to feel better about themselves. And that comes from a lot of different avenues of improving, improving their, their mobility, their strength, helping them lose some weight giving them some confidence because like, oh, I haven't done a pull-up since I was maybe never. Right. And now I can do one kind of deal. The second thing young Scott needs to know is not everyone's going to be a poster board before and after shot. Yep. That's just yes. not going to happen. Like some people are going to come in. I'm going to help improve their lives in every aspect that I can. And some people are perfectly fine with that. They want to move around a little bit more. They want to be a little bit healthier. They want to stop the fat coming on, but they don't want to make major changes outside the gym to be your six pack abs. And that's perfectly fine. Right. Right. I love that. Okay. I want to ask you one follow-up question. You talked about people and like trying to figure out like why they want to lose the 10 pounds or add weight or whatever the case may be. How do you go about figuring out like what that root issue is? So like somebody says, I want to lose 10 pounds. How do you figure out, okay, why do they really want to lose the 10 pounds? So it, it takes time. I, and I don't argue, mine. Like, we're doing an initial consult. They want to lose 10 pounds. I'm like, great. And I put it down. And I talk about all these other factors of stress management 
will lead to better nutrition, will lead to the weight loss. So all yeah. of it's tied around to their initial stuff. Because I don't want to scare people away. Yeah. Some people have that set in there. Then over time, over many conversations, it's more about like, okay, what do you do for fun? Nothing. Okay, well, let's let's figure out what that is. Or what were you used to be able to do? What would you love to try that you've never tried before? Like some people, I'm, I'm helping them set up like hikes in Colorado and we're working towards that. There's different things like that. Okay. And then they're ultimately doing more things. They're having more confidence. But again, like I, it's, it's not something I, I call them out right at the beginning. Right. And I'm all about calling people out, but like you gotta, you gotta <laughs> yeah. warm these people up. Yes. And, 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 and be like, okay, with all these things, when I talk lifestyle, I tie into whatever goal they say initially. And then over time we can talk about figuring out altering what those, those, those ideal goals for them are. I gotcha. Okay, cool. All right, guys, last but not least, we've got our lightning round. So four fairly short questions, but your answers can be as long or short as you like. Okay. So number one, I'll lead with you, Scott. What was your biggest failure as a coach and how did you learn from it? Uh, are you familiar with the halo effect? Loosely, but for anybody that's um, so not, it, give it to us. So it's basically since someone is good at one thing, you kind of assume that they're good at a lot of different things. Yes. And I've seen a lot of this in the fitness industry where I'm learning for someone on strength training, but then they're starting to give me business advice and their business sucks. <laughs> um <laughs> So the thing about it is if someone hits me up for like sports performance stuff, I can have a conversation about it, but you're going to have a way better conversation than me because you work with people in that field. Right. Like you need to stick with me probably more with the general pop because that's what I work with on a day-to-day basis. Yep. So really understand that who you're talking to has the knowledge, has the experience with that particular their subject and be careful with taking much advice outside of that realm. I love it. Janine, what about you? What was your biggest failure maybe as a clinician and how did you learn from it? Yeah, I it was sort of interesting because, you know, I'm trained to observe, notice things, look for patterns and then help people sort of recognize those patterns and where they're really headed. Right. So, you know, you talked about the 10 pounds or whatever, and I'm pretty versed at sort of digging into what that really is about. But early on in my career, what I found that I was doing was because I, I'm trying to observe and, and gather information from people, I was giving them too many choices mm. and I was asking them too much what they wanted. And although we really have to be careful to take in people's lifestyle, their preferences, habits, all of those things, those are really essential to make behavior change. But at the same breath, I, I forgot that they were coming to me because they weren't getting it figured out. And giving them more things to think about and decipher between, aside from all the headlines that they were reading, all of the blogs, the articles, the advice from the neighbor, all of those things. What I needed to do was lean in a little bit more and say, here's what I'm hearing. Here's what I'm seeing. Here's the plan that I know that if we can give this to you in chunks and you can consistently engage in these pieces and break them down and over time, you're going to get to where you need to go. And so I think one of the things that I had to learn is to to lean in with that confidence, that clarity, and not give them too many choices because that's why they showed up at my door is because they needed my guidance. And so I think that that was sort of my big aha that I shifted over time in my career. I love it. I love it. Okay. So now let's flip this and let's talk about something positive. What's your career highlight so far as a clinician? Janine, you can start. Yeah, I think mine is how diversified my career has been and can be, and definitely much more than I assumed when I got my doctorate and started out in the field. And over the career, you know, I've gotten to work with everything from, you know, individuals with autism to wellness fitness retreats to working with C-suite executives to fitness professionals. And I'm passionate about people. I'm passionate about supporting people and the behavior change that they want to do. And so I think a big highlight for me is just the breadth of impact that I've been able to have and continue to do. I love it. And what about you, Scott? What's your career highlight so far as a coach? So I'll break it up in, in two sides. One is the coach side. And this is with the help with my partner, Nate and Janine. But we created an assessment tool for people on the, the lifestyle that we coach them on. So again, what, what gets uh, measured gets managed and it's really looking at people's lifestyle because so many people focus on just the weight or just the body fat. And so if we can get other metrics to measure progress on their mindset, on their happiness, on these other different categories, 
it shows them that they are improving because if someone comes in and they lose weight or they lose body fat, but their overall happiness goes down or the stress management goes up, we're not doing our job. Right. So that is a coach as a business owner and as a um, gym owner. And this is something I, I got from a client that he said this on the resume with me. It's like, we've been going 10 years now and we haven't missed one payroll and, and having employees feeling responsible for them and their livelihood and, and living their life. I take a lot of pride in that. That's awesome. Okay. Number three, what's the most impactful book you've read in the past couple of years? Scott, you go. Um, I'm, I'm going to kind of chicken out on this one, not give it to <laughs> one, but it's just, it's, it's tough. Uh, Ryan Holiday, his stuff is amazing to me. Yeah. I love um, his stuff over the, too. You know, because on a daily basis, and this is my like fourth year going through it, Daily Stoic, his ego is the enemy, obstacle is the way. He's got a new, a new one up, this like stillness. Stillness is the key. Uh, yeah. yeah, I just read stillness that one. Stillness is the key. Like his just stuff is over and over again. It just, um, I'm blown away by it. So like any of his stuff is going to be on my list. I love it. What about you, Janine? Anything you've read that's really stood out to you in the last couple of years? Yeah, one of my favorites, there's so many. So this is a hard, very hard <laughs> question to yes. answer, but for, uh, concisely at least. But probably Culture Code by Daniel Coyle. And it just really talked about people in their environments and how they function well. And there's just a lot of real life examples. And, and I think it was just well articulated, but also based in research and science. And so it was a really nice combination for me. And I thought it was really effective. Man, I've literally got, well, I've got multiple stacks of books that are unread, but yeah, that's at the top of the one next to my bed. So I better make that one happen here soon. Last but not least, number four, what's next for both Scott and Janine? What are you guys working on? What are you excited about? Anything. I think for for me, at least, I think the exciting thing about being in this field, in this space, and then for me being a coach of any sort is that you get to impact people directly. And I love that. But oftentimes as a single coach, right, or trainer or whomever, you, there's only so many people you can impact at one point. Mm-hmm. And, but yet, you know that many people need and want support. And so, so I'm really excited because Scott and I, along with Nate are working on really just working on looking at how to make the fitness industry better by by this notion of psychology of fitness. Um, and so we've been working on an educational platform to provide that kind of education for fitness professionals. And so I'm really excited about that. It's just expanding that ability to use our collective knowledge and our passion for this next phase for the industry and to extend to that. I love it. Scott, what about you, man? Yeah, basically what you're saying is I'm super excited to share the knowledge of the past 15 years of being a trainer, the past 10 years of, of owning a gym and, and, and seeing what really makes an impact for clients and, and trying to help educate trainers on this. Because I've had so many great people that have, have um, gave me the education that got to me where I am today. I, I want to kind of pass it along. And I also still just love running the gym and working with people. And that's the beauty of like working with Janine and Nate is, is I get to see this actually working with people. So many yeah. people are teaching stuff and theory and an ideal world. And I'm like, I'm still in the trenches working a day in day out basis with clients and, and refining this. So I know that it works. I love it. I love it. Well, guys, you've been awesome to chat with today. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Where can my listeners find out more about you and all the great work that you're both doing? Yeah, if you check out the differentiatorpro.com, we have some of our information there on kind of what we're working on and some of the uh, a lot of resources where Janine's kind of sharing her insight on the psychology aspect of it. Nate and I are writing up different aspects of how we're incorporating this in the gym and then just also um, working on our, our online education platform for that. So that'd be okay. a great place to just kind of see some of the stuff that we're doing. Very cool. And that's the differentiatorpro.com. Yeah. Yep. Perfect. Janine, what about you? Yeah, I, I think Scott highlighted it well is that and then, you know, in our social media, we try to share thoughts and insights and things like that. Okay, perfect. Well, again, thank you guys so much for coming on the show. It was really great catching up with both of you today. Thank you so much. Yeah, Mike, thanks for um, putting this together. Like you, you've been putting out a, a ton of content podcast wise, and I appreciate you up in the game of our field as well. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. All right, my friend, that does it for this week's show with Scott Schutte and Dr. Janine Steester. Really hope you enjoyed it. I absolutely loved it. I'm fascinated by psychology. I was actually a counseling psych minor in college. 
mostly because I'm just fascinated by humans and their behavior and the way they think. But I also kind of thought, oh, this will go really well with the whole training thing because that whole mental aspect of training is probably a pretty big deal. Now, if you want to learn more about what Scott and Dr. Janine and Nathan Kesterson are up to, head over to differentiatorpro.com. Again, that's differentiatorpro.com. If you're interested in going through their certification, becoming a better trainer or coach, use the code RTS30. Again, that's RTS30, and that will get you 30% off the course when it opens on September 1st. And Guys, I don't get paid any sort of cut or affiliate fee for saying this. I just know that Scott and Dr. Janine and Nathan are running an amazing business. They are absolutely crushing it. And most importantly, they're making a massive impact with the clients and athletes they work with. So I think if you're interested in learning more about the psychology side of all of this, I think that could make a huge impact on what you do. Okay, so very long-winded outro today. I'm just going to leave it at that. My friend, thank you so much for tuning in. I love and appreciate you, and we'll be back soon with our next episode. Take care.